0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Nature City podcast. I'm Carl Perdelli, your host and also the CEO and co-founder, along with my wife Beth, of Nature City. It's been our privilege over the last 21 years to serve about 500,000 customers, giving them the best possible dietary supplements we can make. Today, we're going to talk a little about omega-3s, and especially as a respect to heart and cardiovascular health. So let's jump into it. So here's a question. Can the omega-3s we get from plants give us the same heart health benefits as omega-3s from fish? Well, that question was the subject of a clinical study recently completed by researchers from Denmark, and we're going to review those findings in a moment. First, let's set the stage. As you may know, omega-3s are good fats, also called polyunsaturated fatty acids, and can't be made by the body. So they have to be obtained through diet. And your body is constantly using omega-3s every day for multiple functions in the body. So we need to replenish these nutrients every day. There's three main omega-3s. There's EPA, DHA, and ALA, which stands for alpha-linoleic acid, which is not to be confused with another ALA, which is the antioxidant alpha-lipoic acid. In this case, we were talking about alpha-linoleic acid. So as you may know, the best source of EPA and DHA is seafood. My two favorites are salmon and trout, and I actually want to share some insights about that later because not all salmon is the same. ALA, on the other hand, is from plant-based foods. Uh, Some of the notable, more prominent ALA foods are seeds like flaxseed, chia seed, nuts like walnuts, and then there's various vegetable oils, uh, soy oil, canola oil, which, you know, frankly aren't my favorite oils to, to cook with, but that's a different topic, but you know, very much a prominent part of American diets. So about 54,000 adults were recruited by researchers from the Aalborg University Hospital in Denmark, and I apologize if I pronounced that incorrectly. And the first thing they did was really give them food frequency questionnaires to track and identify their omega-3 intake. I mean, this method isn't perfect, of course, but when you have this many people in the study, you know, it does give you some good insights. And they did next is really track them over the next 13, I think it was about 13, between 13 and 14 years, and just monitored cardiovascular health. And so what did they find? They found that those with higher EPA and DHA intake, well, that was associated with much better cardiovascular health. However, no beneficial association was found between intake of ALA, the plant omega 3, and cardiovascular health. So does that mean ALA is bad? No, but it's not likely to help you much when it comes to heart health. But it does have its role in the body. ALA actually converts to DHA and EPA in the body. But the challenge is this conversion is really small. I've always read it's between one and three percent. So basically, if you take, if you have a thousand milligrams of of ALA intake in a day, you know, between 10 and 30 milligrams of that will be converted into DHA and EPA. However, more recently, it, it suggests that it's actually closer to 1%. So, again, not going to help you much respect to getting adequate EPA and DHA intake. So, really, if we're looking for those heart health benefits, you really have to focus on the EPA, DHA, uh, to again get the uh, what the health professionals call the cardioprotective protective properties of dha and epa so i mean if you want to impress your doctor at your next appointment you could say hey doc i'm gonna get more omega-3s from fish because i'm really interested in the the cardioprotective benefits of or or properties of epa and dha and you know i hope he or she will be impressed i mean they should be so how much epa dha do you need for heart health To answer that question, it may help to give a little background. You know, EPA and DHA actually weren't identified until like the 1970s, which, you know, it's not like that long ago, at least to me. And it's interesting how it all started. Researchers were trying to figure out why certain populations had, you know, much better heart health than the rest of the world. And some of the initial focus was on people who live in in Greenland and the Arctic regions, you know, indigenous people in these regions who, of course, have a lot of intake from marine life. And that was where the whole theory of the omega-3s may be providing benefits with respect to heart health and cardiovascular health. That's where it kind of all originated. And that soon kind of expanded to Japan, right? Because they eat a lot of fish and, frankly, they're probably a little closer to us in terms of lifestyle and diet and, and everything else than some of the Inuit indigenous people, what also made Japan interesting was they have a relatively high rate, at least compared to the United States, when it comes to smoking and alcohol drinking, which aren't necessarily aligned with uh, good heart health. Now, just to be clear, I'm not saying if you eat more fish, you should start smoking and drinking and you know things like that. That's not the point. But I think you know that. So it was kind of found, and this number is about 12 years old since the last time I looked it up, but I don't think it's changed much. So the average Japanese person gets about 850 milligrams a day of EPA and DHA, the the fish-derived omega-3 fatty acids. Um, What do you think we get in the U.S.? Well it's only about 100 milligrams, right? So they get 8.5, roughly 8.5 more EPA, DHA than we do. And yeah, it probably explains, at least in part, why they seem to exhibit a lot better cardiovascular and heart health than we do here in the United States. Actually, before we even get into that, You know, I know there's a lot. So you may say, oh, geez, I guess my target is 850 milligrams a day or 1,000 milligrams a day, which, by the way, is the common benchmark you see a lot. And, you know, I'm not sure that's good enough to make an assessment for you. Here's why. The source of those those omega-3 fatty acids of the EPA and DHA matters. So, for example, if it comes from fish, it may be different than if it comes from a supplement. If you're taking a supplement, well, is it a good quality of supplement? Are you taking it with, with meals? So how soon after the meals? A lot of variables, right? A lot of health professionals have been uh, using as a better way to monitor this is something called the omega-3 index, okay? So what that is, it's a simple blood test, and they look at the total amount of fats in your blood, and then they measure how much EPA, DHA, the omega-3s, make up that fat in the blood. Okay, so basically, you'll see what's commonly advised now is kind of a rate, an omega three index range of eight percent to eleven percent. So that means you have about eight to eleven percent of the uh, the fats in your blood are EPA and DHA. And I can tell you, it's interesting. The Japanese typically are over nine percent. Okay, and in America, we tend to see numbers that are four to five percent. Okay, so. So again, that shows we're just not consuming enough of these EPA and DHA. So what's the difference, right? If they're getting more omega-3s, what are they getting less of in terms of fat? And what are we getting more of in terms of fat? And this is an interesting part of the story, too, because the difference is the omega-6 fatty acids, okay? That that accounts pretty much for almost all the difference. And omega sixes, again, very important for your health, do a lot of good things. But when you have an abundance of omega sixes in your diet, it tends to have a pro inflammatory effect in the body, okay, which is not something we want. Counterbalance to that is the omega threes, which work in the opposite direction and really help you maintain a healthy inflammation response. So we get a lot of omega-6s in our diet here. I mean, it just, again, comes from a lot of oils we use in cooking, meats, chicken, you know, have omega-6s. And by the way, that's one reason we want to maybe consider using grass-fed beef or free-range chicken, because you'll get less omega-3s, okay? So we basically get about 20 times more omega-6s in our diet than omega-3s when target range should be more like you know, five times, okay? Some, some people might even say less than that, but let's use five times. So, you know, to bridge that gap, you know, probably takes a combination of reducing your omega-6 intake while also increasing your omega-3 intake to get that ratio more in line, okay? I want to tell you about an interesting study. I think that underscores what we just talked about here. This study was sponsored by, I think it was done in 2008, and it was sponsored by the National Institute of health, you know, our government, as well as the Japanese government. And they used university researchers from both the United States and Japan, and they focused on men between the ages of 40 and 50, okay? And they basically had three groups. They had 300 Japanese men, they had 300 Japanese American men, so they are living here in the United States, and they had 300 Caucasian men also living here in the United States. Obviously, they chose. I think they chose the Japanese-American men just to see if there were any genetic factors that might be influencing cardiovascular health. So then they did three things with them. Okay, they looked at three things. So basically, the first thing they did was they did a full assessment of the fats in the blood. They looked at all the omega-3s, the omega-6s, saturated fats, trans fats, you name it. They also did You know, your normal blood work that your doctor probably does, measuring cholesterol and blood sugar, C-reactive protein, which is a a marker for inflammation, you know, took blood pressure, all all normal metabolic stuff that uh, you're probably familiar with. And the third thing they did is they just assessed artery health of these men in all the groups. So what did they find? Starting with the fat concentration, you know, as you'd expect, the Japanese men living in Japan had a very high omega-3 fat content in their blood. The number was uh, in excess of 9%. The Caucasian men were, you know, in the 4% range and the Japanese American men were kind of in the 5% range. Okay, so clearly assimilating into American culture and probably eating more of an American diet had, you know, had the effect of where they didn't quite have the the omega-3 content in their blood as the folks in Japan of the same ethnicity, so, again, what was the difference, right? The men living in Japan had about 4 to 5% more omega-3s in their blood. What was the difference? Well, it was these omega-6s, okay? And that was the difference. Now, here is another key factoid, at least I found it very interesting. When you look at their blood work, there wasn't much of a difference, you know, cholesterol levels, but tr- And there were some minor differences, of course, in fluctuations and blood pressure. One number jumped out of the page, And that was C-reactive protein, that measure of inflammation. All three groups were in a normal range. I think a normal range is now defined as less than three and milligrams per liter is how it's measured. And all three were, you know, were below that. I think the Americans were somewhere around one and a half or so, but... The Japanese were even better. They were in the ideal range, which is less than one with respect to this inflammation marker. So again, I think that lends some support to this whole omega-3, omega-6 balance type of thing. And it's definitely something you should monitor. By the way, if you're interested in in the omega-3 index test, surely a doctor can help you with it or you just can do it from home. There's a company called Omega Quant, Q U A N T, which offers a test. I think it's about $50 and you can do it at home pretty easy to do and you'll get, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you where you stand. I know Beth and I did it a, a couple of years ago and I think my number was like 7% or something in that range. And so I kind of started taking a little more up my omega-3 supplement intake. Uh, Beth was great. I mean, she, her numbers were close to 9%. So, you know, she was doing really, really well. But anyway, it's really good information. Good to know. So again, how do you bridge this gap? You know, if we got to get from, you know, a hundred milligrams of EPA, DHA to, you know, Closer to a thousand. What do we do? Well, increase intake of fish, right? That's probably the best way to go if you can. May not, it's not gonna probably bridge that gap entirely. You probably also need to take a quality fish oil supplement, but increasing your intake of fish is good. And as I said, I like salmon and trout. They both naturally have are high in omega-3s while being low in omega sixes. Now, here's the one thing when it comes to salmon. Proponents of farm salmon, and I'm not taking a side, I think having any type of salmon is better than having no salmon. But proponents of salmon will say, hey, you get many more omega-3s from farm salmon than you do from wild salmon. And that's true, but you also get a lot more omega-6s. In fact, there are more omega-6s in farm salmon than there are omega-3s, which doesn't help us with that ratio we just discussed, right? As compared to, to wild salmon, the ratio is more like over 20 times omega-3 to omega-6. So it's really ideal. That's what you want. So again, my opinion, you know, any salmon is better than no salmon. Just get your EPA and DHA. But I personally prefer the wild salmon. That's what I eat. By the way, um, the research, and by the way, I'm getting these numbers from a great Purdue study. They looked at 70, I think it was 76 different types of fish they purchased from vendors across the United States. And they just really calculated the amount of fats, omega-6s, omega-3s, and each and each other. It, it was a really handy study. They actually found with respect to trout, rainbow trout, which is something I also eat, that the farm version actually had more omega-3s, but the same amount omega-6s as the wild version, right? So so you, know, you don't know, right? It could vary. Okay, so again, I think you know, as a benchmark, I would suggest trying to get at least 1,000 milligrams a day of DH, DHA and EPA. From a combination of fish and supplements and you know, you also want to try to minimize those omega-6s because they make the difference too. So next episode, there's going to be a part two of this where I'm going to tell you why true omega 3 which is a fish oil supplement we sell at Nature City, is, in my mind, the ideal supplement to help you raise your omega-3s and really get that omega-3 index to where you want it. So until next time, this is Carl Pernelli and we will see you then.